Don. Hey. How's it going? Good. Thanks for joining me here. Oh, thanks for having me again. This is going to be uh, the second installment of my little curation idea. Um, do you have any guesses on who this might be? Somebody that you and I both know that have curated these songs for you and I to listen to. No, but I remember when you first mentioned this to me, I thought of maybe Jeff Wagner. Yeah, that's a really good guess, but that's not right. But that's not him. No. Nope. Um, I don't want to dwell on it too much. But, yeah, I really don't know. But uh, he is a musician. A lot of our yep. <laughs> that doesn't narrow it. Very it's a lot of our friends are musicians. Yeah. Um, does he play in a band I'm familiar with? He does. Yeah. A band that I like. Yes. A band that I really like. I don't know. <laughs> um, they are a highly divisive band. I would say. Okay, those are my favorite. Yeah. I yeah. I would say that you probably really like this band. Okay, great. I really like this band. But we're going to keep it a secret, though, for a while, right? Well, here in a minute, he's going to introduce himself. Okay, so he'll say know. it's not just his voice. I don't no, have to like... <laughs> you'll, you'll know. You'll know. Okay, sounds good. Because he'll say. Okay, you ready? Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. I'm All right, ready. let's do it. Hello, everybody. This is Mirai from Sai. Oh. I've been listening to a lot of music for more than 40 years now. So I've been listening to everything from heavy metal to classical to jazz to experimental or whatever. And I have encountered a lot of interesting ones too. So this time I have picked up the music which made Sai, or maybe I should say which made myself. So I hope you enjoy what I have picked up. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 yeah, good old Mirai. Um, we've been friends with him for very, very, very long, long time, time. Very long time because um, I think it was. I mean, I, I'd heard of Psy before Hail Horror Hell came out, mm -hmm. but that was the album where they became way more experimental and, and yeah. weird in a way that I felt was parallel with what I was trying to do with sculptured because I think I had done. Or maybe I was working on Apollo Ends at the time. It was definitely post-Spear. It was post-Spear, but maybe not quite yet Apollo Ends. It wasn't quite Apollo Ends, because we were listening to Hail, Horror, Hail when I first moved in with you. Okay. Which so, was during the writing of Apollo Ends, basically. Okay. Yeah, and I think it was inspiring, because what part of me was, was inspired. The other part of me was a little bummed that someone else had already started trying to integrate. And this was like 1997, 98. Right. Just after the spear, even though in the spear, I was, I was trying to do this too a little bit. Was trying to integrate contemporary avant-garde classical music with death metal, and he had already started doing that. Yeah, and and then not long after him, Obscura, the Gorguts record. That's right. I think they did it um, in its own way. So I felt he was a kind of a kindred spirit. So I me, I think I immediately like emailed him or maybe even wrote him. I don't remember. And we started talking about. Penderecki and Leggetti and Zanakis and Cage and mm -hmm. those sorts of folks. And I was just so excited. I mean, I knew that Psy was already legendary from the black metal scene. and uh, Death Like Silence. And just like watching. And then he sent me the earlier, the earlier stuff, mm -hmm. which, which I liked. But the, 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 the amount of risks he took with Hail, Horror, Hail was just really blowing me away. And I felt like I had to get on that train really quick because he was already bla sort of blazing it. Yeah. So that's that's I'm very excited. I'm I'm stoked he is curating. I, I'm we're in for a real <laughs> yeah. I thought <laughs> real uh, <laughs> mind fuck here. Then he was my first thought for this series, and then of course 
you were the perfect one to uh, to join us for this. Right. Um, not only because of our history with Mariah, but because we share so much s- similar ideas in, mm-hmm. in music. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, my story with Psy is slightly similar, although I was familiar with them with Infidel Art, which is a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, didn't really get into them as much as until Hill Horror Hail. Um, and then... You know, I kind of fell off the wagon there for a little bit. I didn't really listen to them, but like their last record, which I can't remember the name of, is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like I really loved it a lot. I can't say so. I really followed them too much. I felt like there was an album coming out, you know, pretty regularly. Yeah, and it was a hard time to sort of keep keep up with it. When yeah, I was busy well, with a lot of other things. It's it's not easily digestible, so it's no. you know, it's an investment. Um, but yeah, you should check out the new one. Which again, I can't remember the name of. I could look it up if I felt like it, but it's it's really awesome. So, um, the way that Mariah set this up is he kind of set this up into different genres in a mm-hmm. way. So uh, let's just launch into it. He picked four different selections for jazz. Well, in the beginning, I was thinking some of the more experimental Herbie Hancock. It's a really solid guess. That's not what it but is. But this stuff, now with these kind of chord clusters and, yeah. the, uh, and the keyboard part, it's not, it's not Herbie. But the kind of spacey, slight funkiness is. Yeah. Honestly, this is an artist I don't know that well. Um... I think everybody knows this artist to a certain degree, but I don't, I've never really followed him. And I wouldn't really expect you to be like, oh yeah, this is. And this track is also 30 minutes long, so I'm gonna just play a snippet of it. I really like the symbols in the background there. Yeah. And the panning too. I I, I don't know if anyone else can hear it, but with headphones on. Yeah, the panning is serious. Can you tell me what year it is? No, I can't. It's interesting because, like this horn part, I mean that almost sounds like something like Ornette Coleman would do. Yeah, the horn part there sounds quite traditional, whereas all the keyboard stuff sounds very improvisatory, mm-hmm. very free. And the clusters, like you mentioned earlier. 
The emphasis on panning there. I've always been fascinated, and I think we've talked about it before, years and years and years ago when I was working at the classical record store. Mm -hmm. And there was a composer who people who are listening should check out. His name was Henry Brandt. That's B-R-A-N-D-T. He was one of the first composers to integrate space of the performance center so you would have musicians in different parts of the room spread around so that something literally sounded far away or something sounded like it was coming from a far corner of the room. So really thinking of the performance space as a kind of, I mean, I guess what you would think of as in mixing. Right. And I, I feel like there's something, it reminds me of that kind of move with the amount of panning that's happening in this mix. But everything else also sounds very spatial because I've always thought of jazz as something that doesn't flow in a linear fashion from beginning to end, but rather just sort of like enlarges from a center. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it sort of enlarges outwards or, you know, the instruments are orbiting around a center and going right. in and out of orbit. It's not about, you know, when I listen to jazz, even bop or hard bop or... It never feels like there's a big, clear beginning, middle, and end like you would with, you know, obviously with pop music. Right. <laughs> and this maintains that sort of feel to me. But especially this, the horn here. It's very... I love combinations of avant-garde with, for lack of a better word, traditional sounds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um... I always find um, panning within percussion to be fascinating, especially when you have like yeah. an entire kit in the right channel or in the left channel. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of those old like Ramones records or the Beatles, you know, they they would do that. Um, I always find that really fascinating. That kind of reminds me of that because they're actually panning like back and forth. Space is the place. Oh, space is the place. This is uh, this is um. Sun Ra. It is Sun Ra. Uh, the note that Mariah gave me... That was going to be my second guess after yeah. Herbie Hancock, because there's the spaciness of it is. Yep. The note that Mariah has is uh, Disco 3000. So maybe that's the the title of the track? I don't know. Well, this is Space is the Place. I think maybe that's the it's title the, of the track. Maybe the Disco record. 3000 is the record? I don't know. Yeah, we sound like noobs now. Someone's Some, some Sun Ra nerd right now is so yeah, well, deeply disappointed and... I never claimed to be Agalock. <laughs> I never claimed to be a Sun Ra expert. But yeah, Sun Ra. John likes Sun Ra. Does he? Mm-hmm. Well, I, mean, I, like I don't Sun know Ra how. Too, no. I don't know how deep, but I mean, I think near the end of Agalock, he was getting way more into the avant-garde. Yeah, he was. So, I think Sun Ra was one. Uh, artist he was I've always wanted to for Sun Ra is some of those was one of those artists that I, I'm intimidated by yeah because the discography is so big and when you have such a prolific and large discography particularly with a lot of live records you're so worried because I know what it means to f to get into a band based on that right record like no one got into Metallica through St. Anger <laughs> but can no, you imagine no. like I'm worried now because you know I know you know that I'm, I'm going to be a father in, uh, in in late May now is when we're expected. Not that she's going to come out and be like, what's this Metallica band about? Yeah, that snare but sounds like, like shit. Someone's going to, at some point, 
to her, it's all old, right? right? So the idea that Master of Puppets or Ride the Lightning is different than St. Anger to her would right. be yeah. meaningless distinction. Yeah. So I know what it means to find a record and be really... Because my first current 93 record was Dog's Blood Rising. Which yeah. I liked, but it wasn't... That it's, wasn't the period that I fell passionately in love no, with. No, it's not... Uh, indicative of Thunder Perfect Mind or of Ruin and Some Blazing Star. And it was of Ruin and Some Blazing Star that I was like, oh, this is everything to me. That's, yeah, that's the one that... Because I, I like Dog's Blood Rising too, but um, it kind of spoke to my industrial yeah. pro-electronic side, but uh, of Ruin is just so beautiful. No, I mean, I, I've spun Soft Black Stars or even Black Ships Ate the Sky more yeah. times than I've Dog's Blood Rising or Nature Unveiled. Yeah. And so when I see a band with a discography that big, and it also speaks to... Not to get an old manny here, but when I got into Current 93 and Coil, in particular, those two groups that had so much stuff, I got into it through a record store mm-hmm. and a guy, and it was Second Avenue Records downtown. Oh yeah, what's his butt? And I can't remember his name, but he was like, okay, now try this one, now try this one. And yeah, of course, his decisions were perhaps could have been arbitrary and totally subjective, but at least there was some kind of guidance by someone right. who knew. Mm-hmm. And he was the one that pointed of Ruin out. Because I would found Dog Blood oh, really? Rising through my friend Steve-O, Steve-O, who was industrial. Yeah. So he didn't have the acoustic stuff. And nowadays with YouTube and iTunes, you're just, you're just on your own in a vast wilderness of random choice. And so, I'm, not, I'm not saying that's bad, but the amount of uh, trial and error you probably have to go through, yeah. I think, is exponentially increased. Yeah, it is. So I don't know if I'm listening to, like, the Sun Ra record. Right. Of course, I, with the internet, you could post in some Yahoo, some chat group and be like, where should I start? I don't know. Yeah. But you get my drift. There's something about the communal aspect of the record store that made getting into music that was intimidating. Yeah. You yeah. know, and not knowing where to start. I mean, if someone hadn't, you know, I mean, I did it all the time with the, in, the, in the record store. Someone would come in and be like, I, I don't know anything about classical music. Where do I start? I mean, my God, you know, right. what do you do? You don't yeah. give them Mahler. No. You, you know, I would always give them Brandenburg and Chertos or something like that. Right. So that's why I, I kicked the can down the road. Because I know I should like Sun Ra. And we've talked about this with the Melvins, too, the same way. I should yeah. like the Melvins. I should like this and that band. But I'm deeply intimidated by the risk, potential disappointment, the potential being misled of exploring the discography. Yeah. And it's it's a huge investment. A time investment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like you said, if you start the wrong one, it can it can really color your your interpretation of the other works that you yeah, you hear. I mean, if you start at Saint Anger and go to Master of Puppets, that could easily color your judgment of Master yeah. of Puppets. I got a maiden because I saw the Power Slave video live after death. I can't imagine if someone got into Maiden because they heard, like, Virtual uh, 11. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, it has to happen, right? Because of age groups, it's got to happen. Right. You know, so I'm... It's... Yeah, and I'm, I'm trying to think if I got into a band through a shitty record. Can you think of a band you got through with a shitty record? We've totally lopped the topic of Sun Ra, but it, it's related. I know we're on a tangent, but... Uh, um... What's a band you've gotten into, be, but it was through a, like a really bad record of theirs, like Notorious? Like, say you got into Celtic Frost because of Cold Lake. <laughs> um, 
Or Agaloc because of the gray EP. I can't think of one off the top of my head. But it, I mean, it, it's got to be an interesting process because if you're... At one point you had to have liked it enough to explore them further, right? Yeah. So your opinion of that initial record would have had to have changed based on subsequent listens of their other material. And I don't necessarily let go of records that I love. It's a pretty rare thing. Like, if I like it, I usually like it forever. So I don't know. I can't think of anybody that... You know, think about a band. I remember, I remember when we were in the studio with Meryl the Spirit and John and Stephen Lobdell, the, the engineer, were talking about Rush, and John was talking about. I think he got into them through. He was he was law he was he was speaking positively of Power Windows. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Here's John loves Genesis with right. Phil Collins. Uh huh. He does. And Land of Confusion is a cool tune. And yeah. I know that's a tune that he got into it. But, like, I mean, come on. Selling, yeah. England, selling England by the pound. I mean, these yeah. are amazing records. So. Yeah. Actually, John got into music from in Land of Confusion. Because of Land of Confusion. <laughs> it's a very it's a great tune. It's a great tune. I can respect it. Well, in the video, you know, at that point in time, yeah. too, they went hand in hand. And it was a, it was a striking video. It was and, a striking video. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting question. I love, you know, not to pimp decibel, but I love the Justify Your oh, Shitty yeah. Taste column. It's it's a great idea. Um, I've dreamt of writing one for, you know, something. Yeah. Um, I don't know which one I would do. I mean, it's already been done. I mean, Iron Maiden's The X Factor, I think, is a phenomenal record. I love it. I think it's dark and somber and reflective. Mm-hmm. I think Blaze did a good enough job on that one. Um. I've been pushing you to listen to the new Megadeth. I've, I tried, but I can't. I literally cannot find out what the name of it is. Um, I've Googled it. I've like, and I just keep getting this compilation. Maybe your thirteen-year-old daughter can figure it out. Probably. For <laughs> <laughs> I can yeah, use, a, I can use the Google. Well, we're off topic now. We're off topic. That's what this. That, that's this, what this I like, but. I mean, I don't know if I'm getting more conservative or older, but it would be even a half hour of this would be a bit much. For me, it's kind of uh, time and a place. It's context. Um, I feel like I could listen to this for a half hour at certain points, and other times I'd be like, eh. A lot of time when I hear something like this, I just want to hear Herbie Hancock. There's a little bit more to hold on to. There's a little bit more rhythm. There's a little bit more groove, um, and the synth work that Herbie usually has just really grabs me. So, but I'm also a horror for Herbie. Yeah, I, I you know, I <clears throat> sometimes when I look at Sun Ra, I, I'm reminded of the same questions I pose with someone like John Cage, where the ideas the theories the practice the experiments are oftentimes more compelling than the work yeah and like with Sun Ra's aesthetics the looks the emphasis on like an Afro-futuristic utopia of like a planet of all black people these all all of these things I find fascinating and compelling and, and make me want to listen and right. then I'm not sure how compelling the work is 
up, up front. But this is also the, my first time deeply, I mean, not really even deeply, but right. really listening to the, Sun Ra at the moment. The biggest culprit of that for me is Zorn. Uh, you know, yeah, there's a lot. But I said the problem people with prolific because there is a lot of garbage Zorn. Yeah. But just like you said, I feel like a lot of the Zorn that I don't necessarily want to listen to, I really appreciate the concept and the thoughts that go behind it and the theories that go behind it. You're thinking of Cobra. I'm thinking of things like Cobra. Um, the result may not be that enjoyable, although sometimes it is. <coughs> it depends on the players for me. Like, yeah. I know but, there's been yeah. there's been Cobras like with like Trevor Dunn and people like true, that. And true. people who I really, really... I mean, Trevor could do anything and I would like be in tears. Right. Um, and I appreciate those things. And I, I find a lot of that in Doom Metal too. Like Bellwitch, the latest Bellwitch. Yes. To me, that's like the idea is greater than the result, I think. The result yes. is enjoyable to a degree, but really the concept and the overall arc and even the artwork and the packaging is all like, it's a great Doom statement. Do I want to sit down and listen to it? No. I, I kind of, this is going to anger a lot of people, but, because I know our buddy Billy recorded it, but I'm going to say it. Do it. The album cover is kind of better than the record. It is, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, well, you confirmed it. it. You know, um, it's, it's it's more about an overall statement. Yeah. You know, they did, the, how long is it? 77 yeah. minutes yeah. or something? One song? I'd probably rather listen to Skepticism if I'm going to listen to anything that slow. Yeah. Or Thurgathon or something or like Thurgathon. that. Or Thurgathon, yeah. There's a band that doesn't get enough love as Thurgathon. Yeah. Um, yeah, I worry about, and I think about this all the time too, with like, does the work hold up on its own? You know, um, how much performance? You know, I see videos of like that band Batushka or whatever. Yeah, I've never you know, seen I'm videos. sounding like an old man, but I'm like, you know, I don't know. It sounds like Portal. It sounds like all this stuff. There's just this, this kind of almost like it sounds like harsh noise. I, I'm sorry, I sound so old, but it sounds like it sounds like nonsense. But like visually, it's powerful. Yeah. The older I get, the more and more comfortable I am with separating the performance from the music and being able to discern. Like I listen to the Ramones because I love the music. They also look cool. But it's most mostly about the music. Yeah. There are other artists. I'm becoming more comfortable with saying these artists. I don't necessarily enjoy the output as much as I appreciate the artwork of it, the the performance of it, um, and that's it's a new way for me to think about things like noise and power electronics. And I've been playing more and more of these improv shows that are you know like really completely improv and sometimes the result isn't the best not something i'm going to go home and listen to but it's more about the experimentation and yeah. the learning and the thinking on your feet um much like in a cobra situation and i'm finding way more room for that in my life than i was a few years ago i mean i think the good word for that is what a lot of the avant-gardists would refer to as you know a happening yeah let's mm -hmm. they're gonna go and have a happening yeah and that's all it is. It's a thing happens. It's not meant and, to be uh, post put into posterity and recorded and listened to. Right. It's a thing that happened. The performance is a one-time mm -hmm. thing that happened, and then it's... And I think as long as you look at it that way, it really breaks down these expectations of... Yeah, I agree. You know, and and I really, I'm really appreciating that more and more. 
But I would never listen. To, I don't know if I would listen to like a Batushka record or a. Uh, I, so I, are you sure you mean Batushka? Because they're like really good, like catchy black metal. I just watched a video. Okay, maybe it was a weird video because they're like. See, this I is this what we were cons- talking about earlier. I don't know where to start. No one's ever said. If you said Imperial Triumphant, I'd say yeah. They sound like Portal. They I wear vaguely w- heard that too. I know them too. Uh, mask things. Yeah. Batushka is like pretty catchy, groovy. Okay, maybe I, I don't know what I'm talking about. Or maybe about. it was a bad video or something. I just but. want to listen to Storm of the Lights Bane. Well, and you can, and that's <laughs> fine. But I'm, I'm pretty sure there's enough podcasts talking about Storm of the Lights Bane and listening to Sun Ra at the same time. So let's move on to the next track, shall we? <laughs> okay, this is the second track. Also jazz, according to Mariah's notes. Your cursor's not moving. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Sounds like a trash can. Yeah, so you haven't heard these yet. No. If you can recognize that first one, you can recognize this one, I think. Maybe it's something like Derek Bailey. That's a good guess. Um, this person's way more well known, and you've mentioned him already tonight. This isn't Herbie Hancock. Nope. <laughs> this this is isn't Iron Maiden. It's not Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> it's dissection. <laughs> You know, I can tell me this is Zorn. No, it's not Zorn. It's someone that Zorn admires, though. Is this Ornette Coleman? It is. What year? I don't know. <laughs> Again, I could Google it. Uh, <laughs> it's called Theme for a Symphony, Variation 1. Is that a snare? Like, what is that? It sounds like a Kleenex box. Yeah, I mean, you know, if that's a snare sound, man, this is same same anger complaints. <laughs> yeah. It's 
Speaking of panning, I like how the two guitars are pretty hard panned, right? Mm -hmm. Left. I just can't get over that. Yeah, I don't know what it's not even in time with anything in particular. No. I can I can figure out. This isn't necessarily what I think of when I think of Ornette Coleman. No, I'm not familiar with this record. I'm familiar with like, you know, The Shape of Jazz to Come and Tomorrow's the Question and you know. Listen to the bass, the bass. Yeah. So was was Mirai suggesting this was all influences for yeah. Psy? Yeah. I can definitely hear it with this, but. Uh, in the interest of time, let's move on to the next one. What yeah. Do you say? This is uh, his third pick for jazz. It's Naked City. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Blood this was on the Grind Crusher comp, wasn't it? Not this track, um, but yeah, Naked City was, which was really weird. It was a, a weird inclusion. That's the first time I had heard him was the Grind Crusher comp. Yeah. Actually, maybe it was this song. I can't remember. Actually, I think it was. This is Blood is Thin. I think that was the one on Grind yeah. Crusher. Someone's checking right now. No, I love Naked City. Oh, yeah. As you know. I love Naked City. Uh, the last track on Sculptures Apollo Ends was sort of inspired by Naked City in the sense that I wanted to do a summary of the whole album. And <clears throat> so did a riff from each song and a couple riffs from The Spear and just crammed them all together in this collage. And I actually made a click track for it. So like the click changed every major yeah. or two for whatever riff I was in or whatever time signature was in. And that was a total naked city. Yeah, homage. that was great. I love that. That was, and so it was, fun. it was, it was a click track, but we recorded that basically live mm -hmm. me and John and for to do the drums. And, um, yeah. Yep. That was naked city. I love naked city. Yeah. All of it too. Even not just the really spazzy, this stuff, but oh, even, like even radio. I loved the, radio. The ambient records, the, uh -huh. uh, um, Absinthe. Mm hmm Yep. I like a lot. Um, I liked radio because it was a little bit more straightforward, and it was yeah. really interesting to hear them do it. Those records in particular, I remember exploring those and really being way into them. And Zorn was someone I felt like I had my hand kind of held just because I knew Naked City because mm -hmm. it was on Grind Crusher, and I was getting, I, you know, I heard at the same time I heard 
like Nocturnus and a lot of those death metal bands from Earache. And so I felt like I could kind of find a way in. <clears throat> and also because I, I was a huge Morricone fan, and so when I got to hold the big gun down, yep. that's probably, to me, that's my favorite Zorn, yeah. ima- you know, reimagining record mm-hmm. is the big gun down. Um, it's a phenomenal record, phenomenal interpretations, endorsed as well by Morricone, who's also incredibly avant-garde. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I, I could listen to Naked City all day i love yeah i love naked city so much they open my mind to so many different things yeah yeah i uh when i teach genre in my writing class i and i do it through music reviews i have my students write music reviews and they have to find an album to review and they relate mm-hmm. it to the genre and the audience and like the discourse what kind of words to use to describe it no one says you know beethoven really dropped that beat <laughs> You know, no one uses they that don't. language in a review. <laughs> so it's like a study in like, how do you, you know, and so I, for a little fun, I play them, um, speed freaks, mm-hmm. naked city where they do a different genre, almost every major, yeah, I love you that. know, the one I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I do. It's so good. And they don't, there's like oh, 40 different genres. It's just, they just don't know what to think. It's so fun. Uh, okay. Let's move on to the next one. <laughs> The rhythmic aspect of this reminds me of uh, those early SPK records. Yeah. There was a mm-hmm. time when I was really into, when you were getting me into Power Electronics and Noise. Yeah. One of the projects I like the most, and I still do, is SPK. Yeah. No, it's not with that one with the horn, but... Hmm. Did he include this as part of the jazz? Yeah, this is the fourth jazz one. Okay. Fourth and final jazz. I know that you know this person, but I don't know how well you know them. Yeah, my experience with the avant-garde and jazz is is very limited. It's hard not to think every horn that sounds like that is John Zorn. I know. For me, it is, anyway. This is not John Zorn. Yeah, I have no idea. I have no idea what this is. This is uh, Peter Bratzman. Don't know the name. Really? No. I just know it in passing. Say it again? Peter Bratzman. Bratzman? Yeah. I don't know it. B-R-O-T-Z-M-A-N. I know nothing about him. 
I know nothing. Okay. I do like this, though. Yeah. It, it feels like it's like a, a nice combination of uh, Naked City and the Coleman piece. Yeah, it does. Yes, it's called Machine Gun. It's a very Naked City title. Yeah. So, yeah, it's Peter Brotsman. I don't know anything about him. Again, I could Google it, but so can people at home. <laughs> uh, Mariah's little note for this section is that these are all free jazz, but yeah. they are fun to listen to against the image of free jazz. Oh, someone's paying for them. Someone's paying for them? <laughs> the audience. Oh, free jazz. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that was really bad. Okay. Okay. Um, so, wait, did you read the whole note? That's all, the whole thing. He says all free jazz. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I don't think anybody would write this stuff out. Okay, let, let's move on to metal because I'm really interested in this section here. These are two bands that I'm not familiar with. All right, you ready for some metal? Yes. Let's try out this metal shit. <coughs> Metal songs are much shorter. Necrophagia. This is necrophagia? Yeah. This is necrophagia. This is necrophagia. Yep. Wow. You know, it's the thing. It's. Yeah, I've seen the shirts. I, you know, I know about Killjoy. As a horror film fan, like, you know, he was kind of all over a lot of Fulci DVD releases back years ago. And Killjoy and Mariah are close, I believe. Oh, that's right. I think they. I know. Yeah. I. I, mean, I know a bit of the legacy, but I think this is the first time I've ever listened to them. It's not good. No. Well, here's Mariah's note. Um, Necrophage's demo track was very shocking to me in the 80s. So this is from the 80s. Yeah. Really badly played and badly out of tune. However, this Black Hole track, which is the name of the song. Oh, sorry, no. Uh, the notes are a little bit confusing. Yeah, it's just really badly played and badly out of tune. I mean, I suppose in the 80s, this was, this, yeah, I could see where this, nothing else really sounded like that. And it's a demo, you know? Yeah, so. yeah, no, I get it, but you should, you know, you should play on time. <laughs> this I isn't guess. free jazz. <laughs> but, but, but it, it begs a question, right? I mean, yeah. how is, how is your tolerance for things like that in, in metal different than they are in jazz because the objectives are different i think I, th I think it comes down to the questions you're asking and the objectives you set you know if you're trying to play heavy metal regardless if it's extreme grind or black metal or thrash you know uh i think the objectives of that and it's really a question of genre like that to me not to be a genre nazi but that's not all in the same realm as jazz and the objective of this jazz has always been spontaneity and improvisatory, 
you know, happenings, like we were saying earlier, even if those, even with the more traditional sounding jazz. And that's just badly played, you know, proto death metal. Right. I agree with that. Um, however, to play devil's advocate for a second, it also kind of goes into the abruptum territory a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then, but abruptum, I guess maybe your argument there is that abruptum isn't trying to achieve the same goal. No, I think the abruptum is almost more ambient. In right, a way. which is also atmospheric. It, it goes into the whole portal argument as well. Yeah. And, or Imperial Triumphant and those things where um, it's almost like different extremes. Yeah. Where this is almost in the middle, where like the objective is point a but really the out point is more like point b and i don't know it's interesting i i because i don't necessarily dislike it because of the bad playing no i mean i've listened to a lot of bad playing (laughs) (laughs) yes i'm sure you have but i don't know it's it's just a concept that interests me a lot yeah but i feel like that's just that's just those are young kids right i mean i I made demos like that back in 1990 I've heard everything you've done you've never No but like boombox recordings like yeah. in the garage with um John number 1 right John Schlegel Yeah I mean like I'm sure we were off time and not very good um <clears throat> and so I I think again the objectives are you you're trying to play heavy metal and so well, if you're all over the place you're not adhering to uh the conventions of you know for lack of a better right rock music you know and you're just off time. Like I didn't listen. I didn't necessarily, well, I did, I did say off time, but I didn't listen to the sun run and be like, they're off time. It's clearly they're trying to be in a different universe. Right. Either it's, whether it's polyrhythmic or right. on LSD or whatever. Right. Uh, the objectives were different than necrophages who probably were trying to imitate their favorite bands. The, uh, excuse my ignorance, but I'm pretty sure that the later necrophagia stuff is pretty tacky, yeah. isn't it? You're thinking necrophagist. I am thinking of necrophagist, I think. Yes. Necrophagist is techie. Necrophagia, I think, got, yeah, I think they discovered the click track or something later. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they started playing better. I mean, like, even, you know, I mean, all bands go through this, right? Well, of course. But I that's, mean, even that's even like, Day Mysterious is a bit sloppy of a record. Of course. But then you listen to, like, Later Mayhem, and now they're all of a sudden, they're like this techie yeah. band. Yeah. But no, you're thinking necrophagist. They're techie death metal. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on to the next one because yeah. it dovetails nicely. Okay. God, that bass is in a totally different key than... That bass line sounds familiar, though. It does? I mean, I, I don't know. It just sounds like getting it's a bass break. Yeah. What are you trying to do? This is a dreadful. Oh. Oh, oh my God. I don't know, I, at some point, I don't, again, I don't know if it's because I'm older, i just less tolerant, but, like... The vocals sound familiar. 
They're not. Mm, no, I'm sorry. This is terrible, too. What is this? This is a band called Black Hole, and the song is called Alien Woman. Uh, Mirai's notes say... Even though the ne Necrophagia was really bad, the Black Hole track easily surpasses Necrophagia. It was from their second album, Evil in the Dark, which was out in 2017. I have never, ever heard such a bad playing. Probably the guitar was played with a keyboard. I cannot believe such an album can be on the market in 2017, but it sure is big fun to listen to it. So here's the thing. Okay, so this is the other, the other theoretical question. So... We can forgive a lot of things with Necrophagia in the 80s. That, that was like a trying to do something that had never been done. Like That sounded almost like death metal. Right. Mm -hmm. Like before death metal was really death metal. I don't yeah. know what 80s. But it was already like kind of ahead of its time. It, it exceeded their skills. But like if you told me this came out in the early 80s, I'd been really much more impressed. Right. Because there's such an attempt. Trying something different. Yeah. And it's like they're almost there. And it's like, okay, maybe next record. This is 2017? 2017. Yeah, I don't know. This is awful. Yeah, it's really bad. But in Mariah's words, it's big fun to listen to it. But is it? No. No, it's not. I'm, it's I'm having a terrible time. No, it's, I, I, I want to go home. Yeah, I've hated every moment of this. <laughs> well, uh, uh, let, let's move on, to the, move on to the next one. Yeah, next one, uh, metal number three. Is he going to give us something we'll like? Ah, oh, Mariah. You knew it would be interesting, right? Yeah, I didn't think it would hurt so bad. <laughs> Let's see what this is all about. <laughs> well, there's a riff. There we go. His notes on this are that the next two ones are albums that took in unusual instruments and extreme metal in the 80s. Okay. Kasai was popular for the saxophone. Yeah. But you and I know the best use of a saxophone in metal ever goes to. Best, best, the oh. best saxophone in metal goes to what band? You Godsend? Know. No. Don't they have a saxophone? No. You, are you kidding? Sir me? Bliss. No. I think you're confusing Dan Swano's. Oh, of course, Pandemonium. Yeah, Pandemonium, yeah. not Godsend. Yeah, yeah. Godsend didn't have a sax. Didn't they have some kind of horn? No, they though? didn't. No, I don't think they had a sax. It's been a really long well, time. Well, Pandemonium, that down, 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 Pandemonium. Best band ever. That's Dan Swallow's best work. Did you tell him that? I told him it was my favorite. Yeah. You didn't tell him that was the best thing you've ever done? No. <laughs> it's true, but it is. Actually, I said that on the podcast, though, so he knows. Oh, but you don't know what his reaction was? No. So this is a band called Warfare. Yeah. Dancing in the Flames of Insanity. Where's the instrument that's... Odd. Um, apparently, this has a saxophone solo on it. God, who thought of that? It's got to be coming up it. soon. Yeah, could have gone there. 
Okay, that's gonna be the next. That's gonna be right. Oh, that's a verse. I don't really like this either. I mean, I have a higher tolerance for traditional sounding metal than you do. Yeah. I mean, I, I like this in a... I don't know. It's... It's okay. Where's the sax? Where's the sax? We're almost halfway through the track. Well, the guy be in the middle, and it's got yeah. So, who's the sax player in this band? I have no idea. And whose idea was it? And when they played this live, what'd they do? They probably didn't do it. There's no way. Well, we don't know that. Maybe the singers and accomplices played sax in a high school band. Probably not. Probably not. You know, he played sax in the high school band, but he found that his talents lied in playing mediocre thrash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what band is this? He said Warfare? Warfare. Never heard of them. Me either. The next band I've never heard of either. We're just we're just exhibiting our absolute ignorance. Well, Mariah's he's pretty old school. I know, he's pretty esoteric. This has got to be it. I have not heard of sax. Is that a sax? No, that's a guitar. <laughs> I get those two confused often. <laughs> I know. You know. It was that one time when I put the headstock in my mouth. Yeah. There it is. That works. That's pretty great, actually. With the drum beat? This is the best part of the song by far. Oh, oh this is fine all of a sudden. What the hell? <laughs> I could use more sax though, but that yeah, was a nice transition. That was really good. Yeah. Okay, so now this is awesome. All of this sudden. is fantastic. God, was so weird. That's great too. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And then it's gonna go back into the mediocre. There you smash. go. I wonder if you can get a record of just the just the just, just the, the good parts, <laughs> the middle parts. It actually makes me appreciate this more, though. <laughs> That's how they get you. Yeah. The like gooey middles. It's like an Oreo. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're thinking of a Twinkie. Maybe I am. <laughs> okay, okay, what's the next one? Okay, next one. That was good, though. That was... Oh, he just said hell. I don't really like that. I uh, have to believe that. Yeah. Okay. This one apparently uses a church organ, Mariah says. That's not too weird. 80s. I guess it's still not too weird in the I 80s. don't know. I mean, didn't King Diamond have something like that? Wait, the first one's in the 80s, too. That's really crazy. Yeah. I don't think a church organ's that weird. No. A dramatic metal? Nah. Not King Diamond had that shit. Yeah. Right? You must have. Yeah. I'm just gonna tell you. This is 80s? Yeah. It sounds really good. Who is it? Bulldozer. Oh, this is Bulldozer? I don't never heard I don't think I I've do ever know heard the name, I can see the logo. I mean it's not a record I picked up ever. I would have loved this though as a kid. This is well played. I mean it's on time. It's on time. <laughs> the church it. organ lady. Like, yeah. 
practice before the session. I don't hear any Kleenex boxes or trash cans no. or anything. <laughs> it's not Zorn. No. This is cool. I'm afraid it's, it's going to get like theory, though. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, for the 80s, this is great. I had no idea what bulldozer sounded like. Oh, wow. Okay. Are you sure this is bull This is bulldozer? According to Mariah. Wow. Look, okay, the church organ in context of this verse is odd. Yeah. Oh. But there it comes in. It is great. This incorporates the part more seamlessly than the first yeah. band. Yeah. I mean, that's was my issue with sculpture. I always felt like, I mean... The whole reason I had a trumpet solo is on the first sculptures. I, did, I just didn't want to do another guitar solo. And the guy, as you know the story, but the people who are listening don't, the, the owner of the studio happened to play trumpet. And I was like, I don't want to do another guitar solo. My point of reference was Dream Theater's Another Day off of Images and Words. I think it was a soprano sax solo. I was like, well, I, what would a trumpet solo sound like? And then I tried to integrate it a bit more with Apollo ends, but... Because it is kind of a gimmicky thing if you just have that one part with the sax or that one part, it, you know? It can come off that way for sure. It can come off that way. Yeah. Hey, maybe Sculpture did a little bit. I don't know. This is, a, this is pretty good. No, I think this is great. I would listen to more of this band and Warfare. Warfare, I yeah. would listen to more of... Yeah, I'd check them out for sure. Both of those bands. Um... I had Velnius on here a couple months ago. Yeah. And they played me Morbid Saint, who I've always heard the oh, name yeah. bandied yeah. about a million times. Yeah. See the Rough guitar tone that. on that record. Yeah, I'd never heard it before. It was really awesome, though. It yeah. It reminds me of, like, really. Old Creator. Yeah. Like, really great. I, that record I do know. Yeah, I, I didn't know it at all. I just I knew think, love it. I think I was listening to it when I got, you know, like, when Spotify came out, and I was like, oh, I can finally listen to all these bands. Yeah. Yeah, and I, so Morbid Insane was a band I checked out. I hated I, the cover too, and it's just eh, not well. Really it's my like style. the kid in your seventh grade class's notebook. Yeah, he's drawing that picture. It's you know, at least it's not like the Riot cover with that weird fucking bear thing. Well, I mean that's famous for being awful. It's so bad. This, no, this, is, this is cool. Is pretty good. This is great. It really reminds me of a lot of the early Norwegian black metal, where it's just like the like the. Like a pulsating key. Oh, yeah, this sounds like. I, so, this is. You don't know what, what 80 number? No, what, again, Google. I could do. Well, um, you're having you a computer know. in front yeah, of you. Yeah, but it's. Anyways, well, whatever year this is, this. It, it reminds me of a Master's Hammer a little bit. Oh, that's true. Good call. Yeah. I mean, even if this was 89, this is still. Yeah. A good point. I mean. I dig this. Yeah, yeah. Double kick, that sounds like double kick. Yeah, I like that. Okay, yeah, that's that's my favorite one so far for sure, I think. Yeah, this this tune and the Ornette Coleman tune. Yeah. If we're looking at the whole the whole selection. Uh, next we're up to classical pieces. Great. Okay. I wonder 
uh, how much of our ignorance will spill over no this. no i mean again i don't expect you to be like oh my god that's but maybe these it's are much harder with classical music these are really no really well known composers okay let me see if I i'm can, not sure let me see if i can do it the pieces you're gonna but let's let's check it out here Double doll. It's a... No. Um. Yeah, you're right. It sounds like Devil Doll. Yeah, I'm really resisting doing my best, Mr. Doctor, right now. Yeah, I guess my thought is is it doesn't sound minimalist and it's not atonal and it doesn't sound like these neo-minimalist folks like Max Richter uh, I don't know what this is I like okay. it it's okay I don't know yeah it's alright it's um, alright this is one of those composers I can never pronounce right because uh -huh. it's too simple it trips me up every time so correct me, because I know you know how to pronounce this. List? List? L-I-S-Z-T? Oh, this is Franz List? Yes, List. Okay, interesting. Yeah, List. I, I don't know much about List because I avoided a lot of those composers because I felt they were too... That period, I think it's romantic period, There was same with Chopin. I, I There was so much emphasis on virtuosity. Yeah. And Liszt was famous, much like Paganini with the violin. Liszt was that similarly famous with the keyboard. And I never bothered exploring Liszt. Although I think it was actually Liszt's uh, transcriptions of the Beethoven symphonies that I liked a lot. Well, this is Mariah's note that yeah. uh, totally backs up what you just said. Liszt is known for his flashy works. Yeah. Uh, before his death, he wrote a lot of dark stuff like this. He, his pupils okay, thought he had gone that. insane and tried to hide those works. Really? Yeah. That was far more interesting than any of the list that he's famous for, and I, I, mm -hmm. I can't name anything. So as far as, like, after you go home, would you say this would be on your top of your I list? I would explore more of out? this list, yeah. This would be on the top of your Absolutely. list. Absolutely. Now you tell me it's list, I'm like, well, it'd be at the top of my list. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I had I would never have guessed that. For one, because you're telling me it's Mirai, so I'm thinking, like, it's going to be something. Right, it's going to be something crazy. You know, when yeah. I heard piano and I heard some weird tones, I'm like, it's like Lamonte Young or something. And Right. Um... But the fact that it was so tonal, you know, threw me. Yeah. Well, it didn't sound minimalist in a sort of repetitive way. 
that's interesting. I, I didn't know that about List. Again, I, I've, I avoided all those sorts of composers because despite being a big Yngwie fan, I can only take so much technical virtuosity over substance. Yeah. All right. Well, let's launch into the next one. This is classical number two. Stravinsky? Yep. It is. Murai's note says, This piece is fun to listen to against the image of 20th century classical music. I mean, it's very dancey, but you can hear it in some of the, some of the harmonies. Like that kind of stuff right there. Almost, that sounds so Stravinsky right there. Mm-hmm. Those staccato bass parts, that interval. Yep. I mean, to me, that sounds like I can hear Rite of Spring. Mm-hmm. I can hear Petrushka. That. Yeah. Well, you got it. I love Stravinsky because I mean, he sounds like no one else. I mean, when you first true. started playing it, I was going through my head. I first thought maybe Bartok, because I don't know this particular piece, but I was mm-hmm. thinking Bartok. Briefly thought Kodai, which is another Hungarian composer. But right there, that's Stravinsky through and through. Mm-hmm. And even in Frank Zappa's work, you can hear Stravinsky when it happens. And a lot of his uh-huh. melodic lines are like, that's fu- that's straight out of Stravinsky. Yeah. I think that's what I want most out of any artist, really, is I don't care how simple or technical one is. If you sound like no one else, I. that's it. That, 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 you know, that's why I love Philip Glass, mm-hmm. who to this day gets a lot of shit for being the same thing over and over again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know they're the same arpeggio but it's like no one else sounds like glass that's that's true in any music you yeah. know that's why I love yeah. the Ramones and that's why I love yeah. Primus and that's yeah Primus is a great example no one there's no band that sounds like it you yeah. can have bands that sound uh, reminds me of this or familiar but like something in the harmonies here you know and you put someone like Aaron Copeland up against it where Aaron Copeland has similar rhythms you know, folksy rhythms, although American folksy rhythms and those large interval steps. But man, you can. Copeland sounds like Copeland, and Stravinsky sounds like Stravinsky. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, nice job. I. Okay, so this next section is the one I'm most excited about because I'm completely ignorant of this stuff, as are you. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like is it Mirai? No. <laughs> no, I have no idea. 
Okay, I'm just gonna slaughter the name here. Bolet Barishev. And the song is called Kai of Altai. And Mariah's notes say, Amazing singing technique from Asia, especially Bolot's technique is outstanding. He makes harmonies by himself. It's not overdub or anything. exposed to stuff like this this is I think this is fantastic simplicity of it you know it's the guitar it's a vocal I'm always more impressed when something achieves such a feeling or atmosphere with such limited yeah the recording's very intimate too yeah I like that it, it doesn't sound like it was recorded multi-track it sounds like you're sitting in a room with a guitar and Again, it comes back to that question of technique and what can be achieved in different ways. Like you can have a lot of instruments and a lot of layers and tracks. You can have a great performance. You know, with a lot of aesthetics and wardrobe and things yeah. like this, but uh, there's, there's a number of times, it's also true with, I think, with film, where a small, you know, a couple characters in a very small space for an hour and a half is sometimes more riveting. Than, say so much more sometimes. Yeah. Than a major uh, war film. Yeah. You know? dig that yeah that was great well there's a lot there were a lot of surprising so far yeah so the next one again i'm going to slaughter the name hoon hoor tu is a track called ancestors 
and Mariah says that this guy is amazing with the overtone singing as well. So let's check it out. similar feelings about this as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess my only exposure to this was like Soraya. Right, yeah, that's what it makes me think of as well. It's a limited exposure to this sort of music. I mean, one of the bonuses of with the internet and being able to I mean I can go home and google this and probably find a YouTube vid yep. even an Apple iTunes you know whereas back in the day uh, you never would have heard this unless you no. watched a foreign film or something perhaps right. you know I like this one a lot the part of what we're doing here is like we do have a as you you know the curator we do have someone who knows and who is is guiding us and providing us uh, some commentary yeah he's holding our hand in a way and you know that that makes music and what we do a very communal experience whereas I I think it was probably around 2005 2006 where I began seeing mostly in my students at the time you know, getting into music on their own. Mm-hmm. You know, again, it's a different experience, but it's not as communal as it used to be. You know, the other day too, and I, sh- I got to play this for you, this record for you. I was in Crossroads, and the younger guy, the DJ, who has kind of like a crazy haircut. Uh huh. Um, he was playing this weird fucking record, and I was shopping and just. You know, first I was listening, and I got more and more into it. And it was like this weird post-punk, keyboard-based, German pop, kind of proggy, but kind of just all over is the weirdest thing. And the more I listened to it, the more I fell in love with it. Did you get it? Yeah. What's it called? Uh, Anonym. 
it's one record. I there's like two or three YouTube videos. Wow. And he didn't know a lot about it. It's on Discogs, but pff, like, there's very little information about it, hmm. and it's phenomenal. Wow. And I took that's it home. Awesome. I listened to it again. I listened to it a few a few times. And like, I mean, that's a great example of like, if I just hadn't gone to that store at that time and, right. you know, he's a record collector. So he like, he's aware of weird, obscure things. So mm-hmm. I think that was his, you know, his connection with it. But yeah, he was played it. And I listened to just about the whole thing. I think we got to side B, the penultimate track. And I said, I need that. Wow. And I bought it. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I love stuff like that. Yeah. I went in there like two weeks ago, just kind of on a whim. And I usually you know, at best walk out with two records and I walked out with like six cause I found really good deals on, yeah. I got, uh, the age of odds, the Sufjan record yeah. double LP for 12 bucks. Mm-hmm. I was like, mm-hmm. the prices were really cheap all of a sudden too. Which yeah. Well, if anyone's listening in Portland, Oregon, crossroads music is the place to go. Yeah. I mean, if you like to dig, Oh man. Cause it's just a big store of little, of multiple sellers. So, you know, yeah. some people have high prices and some actually, I don't, you know, some are fine. Yeah. I went to mothership records off MLK today mm-hmm. and was really impressed. Cause it's one of those small record stores that's really well curated. Yeah. And so it's quality over quantity. And I picked up a double, uh, a double vinyl of, uh, Wendy Carlos's, you know, the switched on box stuff mm-hmm. with the Brandenburg Concertos on, on synth. And I'd never seen beautiful gatefold double original pressing. I $6. Yeah. That's amazing. I know no one wants that. That's great yeah. to be a classical music fan. Cause well, I buy so much for like two, three bucks. Yeah. Cause I went into a antique store two weeks ago just cause Aaron wanted to run in there and see what was in there. And it's like one of those ones that's got the little vignettes and sometimes they have like a few records and they had a Laurie Anderson box set. But it was, it was a live recording. Wow. And it was $10 for four LPs. Really? And so I, I just didn't even look at it. I just picked it up. I'm like, Laurie Anderson, live? Like, yeah, this is mine. And then I was like, oh, I should probably look at it. And they were like scratched to hell. So mm. I didn't, didn't end up getting it. But still, just the fact that there's like a Laurie Anderson box Antique set. shops. I have found. Yeah. You'll be surprised. I found here, twenty. I think in 2011, I found a copy of Fields of Nephilim, the Nephilim at an antique shop. Really? Yeah. There's no pressing beggars banquet. That's crazy. That's I mean, what, I have it on CD, but I was like, pff, yeah. it's like six dollars. Yeah, because they're always cheap there because they don't know. No, but they, they had they had a bunch of Sabbath there too, but it was all scratched to hell. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. Um, so Mariah gave us one last song. All right, and I think it's a really nice way to tie this episode up. So let's do it. Some little people from a long time ago And all the things the neighbors didn't know Early in the morning, Daddy Dickie went to work Selling lamps and chairs to San Bernardino Squares And I still remember Mama with her apron and her pants Feeding all the boys at dance cafe Whizzing and pasting and pooting through the day Ronnie helping Kenny, helping burn his boots away And all the while on a shelf in the shed on display. Ronnie saves his newbies on a window in his room, a marvel to be seen. I'm not familiar. Kenny and his buddies have a game out in the back. Let's make the water turn black. We see them after school in a world of their own. To some it might seem creepy what they do. 
It's a uh, very narrative driven. Yeah. Odd little track. It's like some, reminds me of like some acid folk. Yeah. All right, who was it? Frank Zappa. That's Frank Zappa? Yeah. I wasn't familiar with that one either. It's called Let's Make the Water Turn Black, and it's from the album We're Only In It for the Money. Oh, I don't know that record. I don't either. Um, Mariah, Mariah's notes say, uh, We're Only In It for the Money is the best example that is experimental and accessible at the same time. I think that's true about a lot of Zappa's music. Yeah. Okay, so the weird thing with me is, uh, so think about bands we got into through weird ways. I got into Zappa through the classical. For It was the Yellow Shark record. Yeah. I love that record. And then the uh, London Symphony Orchestra records. Mm-hmm. And I got way into those, and then I tried to get into some of the rock stuff, and I, right. I really, really couldn't. Yeah. And now I've gotten into, like, you know, Overnight Sensation, right. Apostrophe, I like a lot. Mm-hmm. Jazz from Hell, I like. Um, Zappa's another artist that's intimidating because that's the, what i was gonna say yeah the works are so prolific you don't know where to go but yeah um i will forever to me the yellow shark is one of my favorite records i started exploring zappa because i found his record so cheap you mm-hmm. get five six bucks and i'd be like okay i'm gonna grab this so now i have like maybe four or five of his records and i'd say three of them i like you know, mm-hmm. there's like I have a burnt weenie sandwich, which is yes, yeah, so I, I couldn't get into burnt weenie sandwich. And some of the ones that are like almost too like rock and roll are hard for me to swallow. Um, they almost feel gimmicky in a way, uh, but I can't remember the one that I really like. Um, Apostrophe is really great. Overnight <laughs> sensation, of course. Um, there's another one though that I that I do like a lot. But yeah, he's really hit and miss for me. Well, actually, it was funny. My first ever introduction, for whatever reason, my sister, I think it was given from my aunt, was a 45 of Valley Girl. Valley Girl, of course. That's the one. Yeah. And so that was my first introduction. My first introduction. My first serious introduction was was Yellow Shark. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, Zappa was one of those because I knew Zappa because when I was a guitar player, when I, when I was but when I was beginning guitar and obsessed with Steve Vai. Yeah, trace it know. back to Zappa. Mm-hmm. Mm, so, yeah, he's something I'd, I'd like to explore further. But kind of like what we we're talking about earlier is I've, I've, some of it has been rewarding and some of it's been. I found overnight sensation. There's a song about Montana on there. Yeah, that, that's what that. So many people and they hear floss. from Montana and they're like, oh, the dental floss, Montana. I'm like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I really admire him a lot, uh, but there's so many dead stops and you're just like grab something at random and you're like, Oh, this is not what I want. Like, like Bowie, I decided a couple years Mm -hmm. ago to like really, Mm -hmm. again, another artist I admire and respect and what I know are really loved, but I, I knew Mm -hmm. a sliver of his entire discography. So I'm like, I'm going to go and delve into it on Spotify. And some, I, yeah, I absolutely adore. And others, I'm like, this is not really... Like, some of his 80s, more poppy stuff doesn't really hit me. I'm with you, yes. I totally worship Bowie now. Uh, But it was a struggle to get there. It was just... Because there are so many dead ends. I've recently had that experience of Brian Eno. Oh, man. See, I've I've tried that with him, too. And And it was... um, Well, first, I watched the three-hour documentary on... That was on, I think, streaming on Amazon. Yeah, I, I actually was looking at that today. And uh, it's great. It's a wonderful documentary. And so from there, then I, I mean, I'd heard music for airports. Yeah. But the record that I really, really enjoyed was Discreet Music. 
Okay. But I mean, it's very ambient and his collaborations with cluster are fantastic. Yeah. Both those records are are phenomenal. Um, so I've been gradually, some of his newer stuff, uh, what was it called? The ship or something. He's done some recent stuff that I really think is great, but he's someone that was very intimidating that I'm like, gosh, everyone who I think is cool loves him. Yeah. Um, so I have like with Bowie, I've cracked that. The other guy I've had a hard time cracking was Peter Gabriel. Oh man. He's really hard for me. You know, and I feel bad because I love, uh, was it so? So, yeah. That's you know, it's right. a great so, record. Yeah. You know, the duet with Kate Bush. I mean, it's a fantastic record. So I went back and listened to the self titled solo records, yeah. and they're kind of hit or miss for me. Yeah. When I was young, I was into like his poppy stuff, um, like so. But uh, well, you got Tony Levin on bass. I mean, it yeah. should be proggy. I mean, it's good, but it's definitely a commercial record. Yeah. But like, the uh, Temptation of the Christ soundtrack, like that stuff, is really great. Have you listened? I to that haven't one? listened to that. You should. It's um, much different than how you picture Peter Gabriel to be. Hmm. But yeah, there's there's a lot of those artists for me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Zappa is definitely one of those. Yep, yep. Well, I like that Zappa piece. I mean, it's it's funny because I feel like Zappa's lyrics are very narrative driven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he's clearly telling some weird story well, there and especially that one is just like peter and paul and whatever and yep. shed and something around yeah yeah but yeah i think that was a great way to close out that episode yeah I feel that's like... great mirai did a, did a fantastic job threw us a lot of curveballs you know because of course you're always like if i say this sucks have i like relinquished my avant-garde cred yeah <laughs> but then it's like no it's just it's bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah some of those uh 80s demos and stuff. Well, I mean, but so so the thing that we hated the most was necrophagia, right? <laughs> like out of all the weird spaz free jazz and yeah, you know the, uh, the badly played demo. You know, it was it was just because I think down to form. I think they it, it's a band wanting to be a metal band and they just not there yet. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Sun Ra is being the best Sun Ra Sun Ra can be. That's very true. <laughs> you know, but I love it when people play. Uh, beyond their abilities yeah but that was like maybe too much beyond their abilities yeah someone waved the prerequisites to the advanced class there yeah like um what's what's that record uh this is our punk rock silver mount zion yeah they well, are playing clumsily enough it feels like they're trying to play more than what they can actually do or the band i brought last time we did a podcast not vinton's grot oh yes <laughs> really bad yeah. or <laughs> or the Agalock demo. <laughs> From Witch of the Soak. Yeah. Right? But but I Me too. Even my guitar solos are kind that. of, eh, you know. But yeah. I, I but love no, that, I listen. that tension. Yeah. Well, because the songs are great. I mean, I think that's where, that's where I think some of these bands are different. Is you could even, oh, the first Dr. Quality record, Skydancer. Right. Have you yeah. listened to it since? Not in a while. Like recording no. records that are in tune? <laughs> no. You go back and listen. Oh my God, this sounds like what I was doing when I was 14 yeah, yeah. or 13, you know? And it's like, oh, a little wonky tuning. The vocals are, oh, the clean vocals are a little pretty bad. Yeah. So now when I listen back to From Much of the Oak, I don't feel, I don't feel so like, well, have you heard, you know, right. Rabbit's Carrot? Rabbit's Carrot. I don't think <laughs> you know? I have ever actually heard Rabbit's Carrot. But I mean, like, you know, these awkward, clunky first things. I mean, yeah. The the problem with From Much of the Oak is, I mean, you know the story, but for those who are listening, like John, I had just met him and I had just learned that you can't record without a click if you're playing anything remotely technical, unless you're really good and playing live. And 
I had just met him, so I didn't want to tell him that he was doing everything wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> For much of the song, because he sat down, he recorded a reference guitar track, totally without any reference. You know this? Right. Well, I, I mean, I think Varg did the same thing with the first Burzum stuff. Didn't he record bass, though, before? <laughs> no, he, if I recall, and, and I can ask him, but I mean, if I recall, he sat down, he recorded the guitar part, and then, and he counted between Dead Space, I think, he counted, and then he played the drums to it. So that's why there's this like catching, right. you know, catching up, falling back, back and forth. But no click. No click. No. And then overdubbed. And I remember watching it happen, being like, I just learned the hard way that this is a not the way to do it. But I didn't, you know, I, I didn't want to be rude. Yeah. <laughs> well, but Varg and Burzum is a whole another beast. Yeah, because I, mean, I mean, John was much more. It was much more technical music. But even when he got done with that demo and it was mixed and mastered, I listened to it all the time. And I still love those songs. I mean, we've talked about this a thousand times. I, I wish we had had the experience of doing the Wilderness Live because I think it's it's even if it is like Swedish Gothenburg worship, it's I think it's one of the best songs John's written. Oh yeah. And so the songwriting I thought was was tops, and you know, but it well, was overall, just one that's, guy. That's what's important is the songwriting. Absolutely. And part of the problem I had with those songs that were quite a bit wonky is the, the song wasn't there. No. The writing wasn't there. It was just no. mediocre thrash, like you yeah. said. No, it was ang- it was excitable young teenagers. But as soon as those other instruments came in, it brought a new texture to everything, and they really let the space open up for those instruments instead of just playing mediocre thrash. Yeah. They let the space open, everybody got to breathe a little bit, and it became way more interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, I love some shoddy playing here and there, but that was really, really bad. I mean, I can accept shoddy playing in punk, I guess, because there it's, it's the real valuing of the of the aggression. The, the, the delivery is more important than the the skill. It's the passion. It's, it's you know, like the misfits weren't great. No. And, right. Yeah. And the more I listen to the Ramones, the more I'm like, they're locked in on certain parts. But also Johnny's like rushing the beat constantly. He's mm-hmm. just like he's just rushing everybody just slightly. Mm-hmm. But I like that. It's, it serves for that, yeah. that tension, too. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, Don. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you for having again. me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks for the podcast. Thank you, Mariah, for Yes. Thank you, Mariah. It was a pleasure. The, uh, the songs. That was amazing. Listening to the choices. And we're going to some close out this episode. <laughs> yeah. It was a pleasure for some <laughs> of them. Uh, we're going to close out this episode with a track from the new Psy record. Oh, fantastic. <laughs>
Get out.